0: Well, I don't see any issue with Major League Baseball starting because they already play in empty stadiums. <laughs> so I don't. Boom! Him. He's on. Boom! Our
1: you know, some days um, I'm starting to wonder. My partner and friend Chris has has certain ideas about who we worship in, in regard to. Uh, I don't know whichever denomination re- <laughs> uh, goes to church to uh, to uh, go get whatever. But I'm I'm slowly but surely coming to Chris's side where I don't believe there's a Lord and and, and uh, Lord Jesus Christ and Savior or whatever. Because you know you sit here sometimes and you wonder. You know, obviously I'm trying to get through my father passing. But this morning, as I was trying to put the final touches on episode 500, which is our, obviously our flagship uh, episode that we're getting real excited to bring to you here, I had a bunch of notes for it, and then my computer blows up. And then in the house this morning, it's a little bit warm, so I decided to turn the air conditioner on just to get it back down to a normal level, and the air conditioner blows. And I'm wondering, you know, what else is next? I think that Chris and I need to start just looking into making our own religion. We'll come up with something creative. Stand by, we'll let you know. Well, well figure...
0: you, you've already learned from me not to worship Nenchi, so that's right. a good first oh, start. Absolutely, that's a good first that's start. That's a great mm-hmm. first start.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I'm slowly but surely coming along. I was baptized a Catholic. I'm looking for a trade. There we go. Um, what can we get for a disgruntled fifty-five-year-old Catholic? Let's <laughs> ask the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Let's ask the Jacksonville Jaguars what we can get for a disgruntled 55-year-old Catholic. This is going to be a very quick, short episode, folks, because, uh, you know, we're excited about bringing episode 500 to you of Unscripted. It's a flagship number, and last week I could get through three, and uh, still kind of thinking about my dad, I was only able, I only had gas to go three last week. Now our third one obviously was an hour and 38 minutes long in regard to our look at the our favorite players of the 32 NFL franchises, which I enjoyed. I've already listened to it twice on on my walks. Yesterday, I went over 14,000 steps on my walk. Wow! But today, a couple things to talk about before we get to the big one. Um, I guess the best way to start, and we've already looked over quickly, We've moved one of my topics to episode 500, which I'm very excited about. And I'll give you a little spoiler alert. The name Dion Waiters will come into play. That's all I'm giving you. The National Football League came out with an announcement uh, either late Friday or early this morning. We are broadcasting here on Saturday, May the 2nd. Congratulations to Legitimate Spring. The NFL's upcoming schedule for the 2020 season will be released on may the 9th and according to a representative and i can't remember his name but his last name was mccarthy from the national football league has told everybody that they are planning to launch on time and so for the national football league this year their season opener is set for september the 10th the super bowl is set for february 7th and again um The full 17-week slate of games is set to be released next Saturday, May the 9th. Now, there are some contingencies built into this new schedule due to COVID-19. If it does delay the start of the National Football League season, and some contingencies that were introduced by the NFL would include moving the Super Bowl to the end of the month of February and eliminating bye weeks and the Pro Bowl and except for moving the Super Bowl to the end of February, which I wouldn't really like too much, eliminating bye weeks and the Pro Bowl, I'm good with that. Your thoughts?
0: Well, eliminating bye weeks is a little bit scary for me because I think that really enhances the risk of injury. And I don't think it saves that much. You know what I mean? So, like, so what, you give us a 16 week season instead of 17 weeks? Is that going to really save now,
1: anything? Now, you do know, obviously, this year, uh, 53 men rosters expand to 55, so they got a couple extra bodies this year. Game day uh, game day rosters go from 45 to 47, and I'm not saying that that's going to make that much difference, but remember, these guys, if there is a delay uh, to the start of the National Football League season, which again is supposed to start September 10th, they will have, obviously, and this is the way I've got to look at it, with my new religion beliefs, that they will have built-in bye weeks just at the beginning, it isn't a perfect scenario, you know. And, and I think that if if the National Football League can pull this off on, and start on September 10th, I think they're going to do very very well. Because all I keep hearing, and I know you hear it too, because you keep your 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 ear to the ground uh, to the ground on this sort of stuff. I'm I'm of the belief right now, my friend, that the only league that I feel confident that is really going to start up again is the National Hockey League. I've heard from Bill Daly, I've heard from Mr. Bettman, I've heard from different player reps and agents that they're all in. They're saying, damn, we're we're going to get a, a Stanley Cup champion claim this year, and I believe that, but I have hesitation about the NBA. Adam Silver is playing this very close to the vest. And Major League Baseball, while A, I don't really care about it as much as I used to, I don't know if Major League Baseball is going to get started this year. And and I already know that I'm hearing a lot of signs that college football season may not even go this year. So the only thing that I know of right now is that A, I'm looking for a new religion. B, I'm sure that the NFL is going to start at some time. And I truly believe that if it is on September 10th, they've pulled off a minor miracle considering all the obstacles that they'll have to overcome. And the third thing I believe is, well, I, I'll get back to you with that third thing, but I don't know. Um, I, I I hear you about the injuries, and I hear about all that other stuff, but I think it's going to take a minor miracle for the National Football League. And as well as the draft came off, highest-rated viewership in the history of the draft, and blah, blah 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 and everybody did well except the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers, I still think it's going to be... Quite an accomplishment if Jane Goodell's Husband's League can start on
0: September the 10th. Well, I don't see any issue with Major League Baseball starting because they already play in empty stadiums. <laughs> so, I don't risk- <laughs> Boom! He's on <laughs> already! Boom! He's on already! Get the fuck out of the way, Robbie Manfred. Anyway... I think that the NFL will be just fine. I don't. Think I hope that, so. You're, yeah. I I don't think that shaving one week off the season accomplishes anything whatsoever. And I really think that September is far enough away because you see how things change so quickly. We had sports less than two months ago, six weeks. Yeah, and now we've got what? It's early May now, and we've got geez until September. We've got another four months until the NFL is supposed to start. I mean, even if, let's say you can't have crowds in the preseason, but you get like, oh, who cares? Like that doesn't matter at all. And then as long as you're good to go for September four months from now, we are already seeing everybody, pretty much everybody relaunching. Alberta's relaunching, Saskatchewan's relaunching, and then a number of states are looking at it as well. And, you know, it's going to be gradually phased back in. Look, I do study this stuff, like you say, and the issue always was, not how deadly the disease was overall uh, even though you know no disrespect to the thousands and thousands of people who have died everywhere but i'm talking about the main issue was we didn't want to destroy the healthcare system and just completely overload it and now that we are past what is the highest risk portion of it where we would have done that. Now, a lot of people have recovered or died in some cases. Uh, the biggest high-risk populations are still quarantined and would continue to be quarantined if we get to back to a rough state of normalcy. So even if there was a second wave, a third wave, it's not estimated that it would be anywhere near the doomsday predictions and the people that would be getting it would largely be the ones who are least likely to die as well. Any, if Look, if you're still sitting there with underlying health conditions or you're really old or you're in a high-risk area or a care home or something like that, just because most people go back to normal doesn't mean you should. But I think society in general will be getting back to normal very, very soon. And I think people have short memories. And I think in September, by the time we get there, four months away, when this has been less than two months already, I think that people are going to be, uh, you know, I think a lot of people will almost have forgotten about this to a degree to be honest with you
1: well um you know the things that that uh that not scare me but alert me a little bit when i hear the number and and i'm not talking about the national football league now i'm talking about the nba in regard to the nba has talked about las vegas um there was a story this week that the uh 4,700 room Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas has talked to the NBA about offering their resort uh, as a bubble, if you will. Great idea. And uh, make 10 or something amount of, of makeshift courts and get games. And then teams would be uh, sequestered at the Mandalay Bay mm-hmm. with their families. Brilliant. And then ultimately, right next door is the Luxor, and the Luxor would house the workers that would need to be there to to work with the 31 or 30 NBA teams that would be sequestered, if you will, at the Mandalay. But then you hear numbers, and this is what scares me a little bit, concerns me, is when you hear that they're looking at needing at least 15,000 testing kits for COVID-19. And my concern there is if they're dead set on that number, uh, no pun intended in regard to dead, but there are parts of the United States that don't have access. Regular everyday people that aren't six foot seven and can jam a basketball. Um, there are people that haven't had access or can't get access to these COVID nineteen tests, and if the NBA monopolizes fifteen thousand of them, I mean those are just things that I'm thinking about uh, in regard to getting these leagues restarted because I put a, you know, Chris looks at these with a very analytical and very concise mind and a very, you know, I look at it a little bit more in regard to simple. Simon says simple. Simon says Mikey wants sports back. And so I don't care if we (laughs) make a few sacrifices to get our games back so we can bet on them and watch them again, regardless of an empty house or not. And I know it's a very simplistic view But then, you know, and and ultimately, before I get Chris back in here, there are guys like Governor Newsom in California that says, damn all of you until I'm satisfied. And again, this goes on a state by state basis. That's one of the things that's driving President Trump crazy right now, is that you've got governors like Newsom in California and the guy in Georgia, I don't know his or her name, the governor of the state of Georgia, but you know, supposedly the NBA is supposed to be opening up their training facilities next Friday on May the 8th, and the governor of the state of Georgia says, no way, ain't going to happen. The Atlanta Braves, excuse me, the Atlanta Hawks facility will not be open. So I guess what I'm saying long-winded, and I want Chris to put put a nice spin on this, but because everybody is kind of on their own with this, on a state-by-state, province-by-province basis with this. I mean, people forget that here in Alberta, our wonderful worship, Mayor Basement Boy, has said no bigger public gatherings in the city of Calgary, at least, until the end of June. So, I mean, some teams and some organizations are going to be at a disadvantage just because they are probably in a little bit more conservative states and or provinces
0: Than others, and that's what I'm getting at. Long winded. Sure, and that's fair. I love the Mandalay Bay and Luxor solution. I just love everything about that. I think that is fantastic. But my point remains that four months from now, I mean, two months from now, everything was just normal. You know, like I mean, think about. It seems like an eternity, but that was less than two months ago, and now we're talking more than four months in the future before we're going to see any scheduled regular season NFL games. And with the NFL, honestly, let's say we couldn't get back to normal till October. Okay, let's say you do the first month with empty stadiums then. Okay, but you still can have the same schedule. The NHL, I've guaranteed it all along, they're going to award the Stanley Cup... Uh, I think the NBA will do their thing as well. I think uh, Major League Baseball, all kidding aside, just starts really late, has a really abbreviated, say, 32-game season. They're saying
1: 100-game season now Or hundred Major
0: League Baseball. 100 is still plenty. Too I, damn many. I wish it was always 100 or less, yeah. even and in normal times. Yeah. And then they could still have this, the World Series in October, in you know, if things go roughly according to plan. But the fact that everyone's already got their Stage 1, Stage 2, Stage 3 reopening plans... Uh, already in place and ready to go here, uh, I I think gives me a lot of optimism if you extrapolate kind of the math for four months from now. As for Gavin Newsom, I appreciate he's working hard and he's, you know, even though he's not supposed to, he's given lots of credit to Donald Trump for helping him out and always taking his call whenever he calls him. But I have to say with Gavin Newsom, I thought it was a little bit kind of a, a kick in the balls how they were Taking sand and loading it into the skate parks. It, just the visual of that was a little bit heavy handed. And then also the video from yesterday on Huntington Beach, which was. I didn't see that. It was just like, it was the busiest I've ever seen anywhere ever. So I've just, it was just, I mean, I think it was people protesting the closure of the beach. But still, I mean, look, man, you've already got more people other than New York, New Jersey. Uh, milling about protesting and whatever so you got your own stuff to handle and I don't know if anything you're saying is really being listened to that much anyway but I really think that all this stuff is going to get worked out the UFC is running not one not two but three events this month obviously with empty arenas but all in Jacksonville Florida and uh, Dana says hey I can't wait for the rest of you leagues to join us I think the leagues will make it happen and figure out a way And I really am very, very optimistic. And that was even before all this. But now that I see that everyone's reopening even earlier than I thought they would, uh, then I've got a lot of optimism. I believe the NFL season will start on time.
1: Yeah. I mean, if there's a league that can pull it off, I think it's the National Football League. But the thing that I'm, I'm really, you know, when they talk about playing in front of empty houses, yeah, no fans. But and I get that. That's fine. I'd rather live with the games with no fans and no games at all. But these are not empty houses. In regard to, I was uh, watching something the other day and they were talking about the games game day staff that would have to be present inside an arena for a National Hockey League game or an NBA game, regardless, just the the training staffs and the, the staffs that set up the... Uh, The television, I mean, they were talking about when you, when all, everything is said and done, skeletal, skeletal, skeletal day game staff, but you're still talking about somewhere between 300 and 400 people in an arena to launch a game, for a game to be played. And uh, so, yes, it's empty houses in regard to physical fans, but there will still be some physical bodies in the arena, obviously. I mean, besides the actual athletes, the participants, there's still going to be guys that are going to have to move the cameras around, and guys that are going to have to be there to tend to the athletes if there's an injury or or something. So, again, um, I am I'm right there with you. I, I just um, I am very concerned. I'll be very honest with you, of a second wave of this stuff. If we don't give it the proper respect or the proper due diligence to make sure that we are i mean i don't know if we'll ever have a sense of normalcy again like we did before march the 12th I, I don't know i mean there's so much unknown here i mean it's great that all these plans are coming out and it's exciting and these relaunches i talked about it last week with chris in regard to saskatchewan to my knowledge was one of the first ones to come out and the province of excuse me the uh, uh, PM of of Saskatchewan came out with a five phase plan and uh that goes into launch mode next week so i mean i'm very excited about it. Don't, don't get me wrong don't get me wrong i can't wait to see a game again i might even watch a baseball game again probably not if it involves the Tampa Bay Rays but i'm just excited about the possibilities but please let's uh, i i really want to make sure that we are as ready as possibly can be i mean you can't you can't in my opinion you can't check off every checklist on the list you can't do it because there's a lot of unknown but as long as we're doing as everything that's possibly humanly possible to make these games off go off as smooth as possible that's all i'm asking for
0: Yeah. And you know what? I think there could be a lot of good that comes out of this. I mean, we can return to normal in the good ways, but I think we can return to something better over the long term. I really like how in New York now, they have to every night sanitize the subway cars. Mm, It was was just announced. And I mean, think about how gross a New York City subway car is in general. Right. So if you're sanitizing that every day, yeah, it's expensive. And maybe there'll be a temptation to go back to the old way after this is all done. But think about how people probably won't like that very much. I mean, if this was to be a permanent thing, imagine how gross that would be. You'd think back, tell your grandkids, like, oh, hey, they used to never clean the subway cars. And wait, what? They sanitize them every night? How could you not clean a New York City? What kind of filthy animals were you? Because, I mean, (laughs) we think back to, like, I mean, even 100 years ago, how bad hygiene was and, and education and you name it. But even... You know, in more recent times, geez, it's just, you know, how far dental care Mm. has come even in our lifetime. And just it's it's crazy to me how much, uh, you know, how much more cognizant, how much cleaner I think the world is. And so I think if you go to something like that, I think that's a really wonderful thing. And then it also leads to the development of new technologies. Like there's that, I haven't really researched how it works yet, but there's that material. I think Elon Musk is going to put it in the Teslas now, where in the fabric, it's some sort of vault for a violet issue or something. And you uh, it kills viruses. Like it kills all viruses. Just nice. So you can get in this car and all your vir- all the viruses die.
1: Have you heard, and maybe I, you know, this was about... Four in the morning. I I haven't been sleeping much. But anyway, regardless of that, I heard something the other day, and I don't know if I was half in and half out or whatever, but I had heard something that they have approved on the United States, something, not a vaccine, but they've approved something to go to production uh, as something that uh, helps speed up the recovery process if you are uh, contracted with the coronavirus. Again, it's not a vaccine, and I could be just talking out of my four-in-the-morning backside right now, but I believe that I heard something the other night, late, early in the morning, about that they had approved something. The USDA, the United States Drug Administration, had approved something that to go to production. And it was not, again, it was not a vaccine for the COVID-19, but at least it was something that could speed up recovery process i could be wrong
0: i think you're talking about remdesivir i think you're talking Uh, about maybe maybe? i don't know i think is what you're talking about so there's that and still i've still heard pretty much all good things about hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin you when you combo those together those have still gotten good results i haven't heard those debunked at all uh there's there's some guy in madagascar said that he's got uh, a cure but i mean who knows and yeah there's so much of it now and i mean If nothing else, in the next year and a half, at the absolute most, we'll have at least a vaccine, if not a cure, and hopefully way before that, since everybody's really working on that. Right. So, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of cause for optimism, but again, the main thing was never to just you know make us all sit inside and do nothing at all. It was to make sure that we didn't just completely overload the healthcare system and lead to just some sort of absolute disaster. And since we seem to have gotten past that, I think we're going to see things getting back to normal because it's not necessarily about just making sure that nobody ever gets it ever. I mean you know, have to weigh the pros and cons. And it's not the most deadly disease for most people, not even close, right? It's just that it's very contagious. But even the contagiousness has been reduced so much that that's looking good, too. So I'm, I'm very optimistic, absolutely. And I'm feeling pretty good. And I think we're going to be getting society back to normal very sooner, as close as we can for now. And it's going to be a phased in approach, which is responsible. But I have to say, from what I've seen, other than Carolyn Goodman's psychotic ranting other other than that you know most of the political leaders seem to be doing a really thoughtful job they're not trying to be reckless or careless at all they're really trying hard and i think that you know the people that are most at risk still need to isolate uh, until this is totally gone and other than that i think people are going to get back to normal and yes there is some sense of risk but i think most people are are going to chance it And uh, I I don't think that it's uh, irresponsible at all to start slowly phasing things back in.
1: Quick uh, look at some couple of things, making some news and notes here on Saturday morning. Again, May the 2nd uh, here on episode 499 of Unscripted as we count down to our 500th episode of Unscripted. uh, We've got some of our really special and, and really special people and friends of the show coming on. Looking forward to it. But a couple of things to get to before we get to episode 500 that have made some news and notes. You know, this one, well, first let's get to this one. And this is more in tribute to, I believe it's our buddy Greg, who now calls this guy Len. A couple of teams have declined their fifth year options on their first round draft picks years ago. The Jacksonville Jaguars have declined their fifth year option on Len Fournette. You know, this guy came out of LSU a couple of years ago and they thought a lot of people and again it's Southeast Southeastern Conference country, so you know, you're not working with biochemists or rocket scientists down there. These are this is the SEC. Um, uh, but a lot of people thought he was the second coming of potentially Herschel Walker. Well, now we all know the Jacksonville Jaguars are not the most stable organization in the NFL, and no disrespect to the cons, but you know, the cons were not the original owners of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And with all due respect, the cons inherited a mess. And I still believe to this day, they're trying to clean that mess up in Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville does not have the best reputation in the national football league. And we can honestly say to David Caldwell, the sitting general manager of the Jaguars, what the hell are you doing sometimes? But It is what it is. It's really difficult for me, though, to think that the Jacksonville Jaguars are declining a fifth-year option on a guy that a lot of people thought potentially could be the second coming of Herschel Walker. Before I get Chris involved, I wanted to mention this one as well, too. The Denver Broncos were in the news on Saturday morning as the Tooth admitted a mistake as the Broncos declined their fifth-year option on left tackle Garrett Bowles. And I don't know much about Garrett Bowles, to be quite honest. But the one thing I do know about Garrett Bowles, and I know Chris is going to want to comment on it, so I'm going to shut. I'm going to shut up here real quick. Is that this guy has taken the holding penalty to new levels, and I think that's part of the reason why the Tooth has decided not to pick up the fifth-year option again on left
0: tackle Garrett Bowles. Oh, I'm so glad this happened, and I don't really care what happens to the Broncos, but man this guy was just an absolute disaster this is literally the last guy in the entire league that i would want to have on my offensive line the holding penalties are just atrocious it's it's just you want to talk about pandemics how about a pandemic of holding from this dude
1: let me ask you then i mean here's a guy if he's that bad okay how did he get by in college are the referees that bad in college football? Is his footwork that bad that once he got to the National Football League level, he had to work on hand positioning, he had to work at, on moving his feet? Because obviously, from when, what listening to you and listening or reading this morning about how, how prolific this guy is at holding, how in the hell did the Denver Broncos scout staff or whatever, how did they determine that this guy was a first-round draft pick if he sucks this bad?
0: Yeah, well, there's really only two answers that I could think of, and that number one, it's just that he got away with a lot, and for some reason wasn't called. Maybe the refs liked his team or something like that, or him. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but what I would, my my main guess would actually be that this might be an Eric Lindros or Ryan Leaf situation oh. where he was, he it was too he, easy. He like he's a big dude, right? Sure, and obviously, sure. like they all are. And I think he may have just had a really easy time, and then you get to you get to the the NFL level and these guys are not just so big and strong and so fast when it comes to pass rushers. I mean, these, these are, I don't know if you could make the case maybe, but uh, w- would you say that pass rushers in the NFL may be the freakiest athletes in the NFL? Well,
1: yeah, I would think that they'd have to be right up on top of the list just because of what they can do and the size of how big they are. And they, they, they move around. They're like ballerinas sometime and they're 350 pounds. Yeah. So they'd have to be top-tier athletes to do the voodoo that they do at the yeah. size that they are, I yeah. would think.
0: like you have to, like especially like edge rushers and you're rushing around the edge, which is obviously what a left tackles defending. But right. I mean, you're going to see guys, even up the middle, when you see an Aaron Donald, who looks like he could be an offensive lineman and he's rushing the right. quarterback like Lawrence Taylor and he's got all the moves and he's agile and you're like, what is this? Like, yeah. what am I supposed to do against this? So clearly he has just not been able to step up uh, the competition. And you're right. That's what a scout's job is, though. And this is why I don't like the combine. And this is why I think a lot of scouts are lazy because they don't catch this stuff. They just, you know, because wasn't Garrett Bowles picked early? Like, wasn't yeah. he a first-round pick or something? Yeah, he
1: was a first-round
0: pick. Yeah, I thought yeah. he was. Yeah. yeah, which me to me means that they weren't looking closely enough at the tape unless he really wasn't holding guys and he was just that good. But even if that's the case, then you should see his technique, right? right? You know, you should see, like, how is he... Is he pulling guys? Is he pushing? Like, what exactly is he doing You can get away
1: there? being sloppy at Elkhorn State, and no disrespect to Elkhorn State. I'm just using this as an example. You can be, get away with some poor techniques, I would think, at, a, at an Elkhorn State or a Div-, Div 2 or Div 3 school, whereas obviously you've got to be at the top of your game, I would think, at the Power 5 conferences, especially the SEC, the Big Ten, and those big boys.
0: Yeah, so really, Garrett Bowles was just the new Richie Incognito, not as much as of an asshole, but nobody could be. (laughs) And so, uh, Garrett Bowles, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine as a former first-round pick, he'll catch on somewhere. I mean, we saw Taco Charlton this week as a former first-round pick, catch on with Kansas City. I mean, hey, let's pick up this guy for free, sign him for the minimum, and former first-round pick, maybe he turns out, maybe he just wasn't a good fit in the other places, and maybe we get a steal here. Uh, I'm sure someone will do that with Garrett Bowles, but... Geez, if there was one red flag with one position in the NFL that I couldn't handle other than maybe fumbles, it would be, I think, an offensive lineman, especially a left tackle that does a lot of holding penalties. That to me is just that's Uh, that's like a hockey player who always looks down and never puts his head up. I mean, that's just you can't do that. That's like a
1: corner. That continually gets pass interference called against him. Yeah, exactly. Because his and technique is bad, and yeah. he's playing catch-up all the time, and then he yeah. starts playing grab-ass, exactly. and yeah. then he's in big trouble. Playing catch-up,
0: absolutely. By the way, before we get out of here, yeah. speaking of big guys, I wanted to say we had a new world record this morning, and uh, this is also partly because it's he's Icelandic, and I'm a quarter-Icelandic, so a shout-out to uh, Thor Bjornson, better known as The Mountain from Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. He set the world deadlift record today at 501 kilograms, beating Eddie Hall's 500 kilograms. The, there was a big difference if you watch the two videos, though. So 500 kilograms is just over 1,100 pounds, right? <laughs> oh, Jesus. So you know what a deadlift is, right? Where it's on the ground and you just yeah. stand up. You yeah. just have to just stand up with your arms hanging yeah. down. That's it. Yeah. But it's 1,100 and some pounds. And uh, when Eddie Hall did it, who's a lot shorter than the mountain, when Eddie Hall did it and became the first person to ever deadlift 500 kilograms uh, a few months ago, I think it was now, When he did it, you literally saw blood start shooting out his nose and he passed out after he was done. Like, it's an incredible strain on your body. Pick up 1,100 pounds. Well, yeah. The mountain, though, he picked it up. It looked like it was practice. He picked it up (laughs) and then he put it down and he was like, yeah. And he was just feeling good. And it was that scary. That means that guy looks like he could go higher. So, uh, but yeah, 501 kilograms is the record. And it's amazing how fast humanity's best are evolving because I remember less than or maybe about pretty much exactly 25 years ago now when Mark Henry who's been in WWE ever since but at the time in his early 20s was one of the best strong men ever I remember him setting it was I thought it was the world record at the time maybe I have to look it up but it was some record for sure and it was 903 pounds and now you know I guess it's been 25 years but still to increase it by 200 pounds that's crazy to me, right? But yeah, so the mountain, good for you, man. 1,100 plus pounds, deadlift, congratulations.
1: Well, I, I look at it this way, technology and, and advancement. Sure, with, but with 200 equal, pounds? Well, no, but look at it this way in golf, just to give you an idea. 25 years ago, Tiger Woods led the, whatever it was, in the late 90s, he had the farthest average off the tee at like 297 yards. Now you've got guys like Rory McIlroy that on average are hitting it over 335 yards. So everything obviously gets better. Uh, technology gets sure, better. Equipment gets better. gets better. Training gets better. These guys, you know, golfers used to just sit there and drink all the time and now they
0: actually work out. Now they're so, actually athletes. But now they're athletes. Well, yeah. with Rory, and Rory's not the biggest guy. No, but uh, he is put together, boy. He's is he okay? He really, really works out a lot. And I'm yeah. sure his technique is flawless and yeah, all that stuff. But some of that has to be club technology as well. Oh, for sure. And and and, even ball technology. I I
1: acknowledge that. Absolutely. I acknowledge that. No question. Absolutely. The balls fly farther. The clubs are built lighter, you know, in regard, but they have more ability to torque and do all this other crazy stuff. So um, I have a driver going back to the 1990s, and I have a driver from that I bought a couple of years ago, and it's night and day. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing besides the smaller shaft is the obviously the massive, huge head that was on this driver now versus the driver why didn't they just have in.
0: bigger ones before I don't know I really don't know right. I really don't have an answer to that.
1: We've got to go um you know we were going to try to keep this around twenty minutes, but here we are at thirty four minutes and it's just because of our ability to sit here and talk so uh we'll cut her short here on this four hundred and ninety ninth episode of Unscripted and let us get ready to bring. Episode number 500 to you of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Really looking forward to it. Our buddy Ryan Hall will be part of the show. Our buddy Sean Nichols. And I'll I'll listen. Let's uh, cut Sean a little slack here. Um, He has been a diehard Lions fan for a long, long time. And every time I have trouble not telling him and just saying to him 1954, he'll know what I mean. And uh, Sean Dode, our Vancouver Bureau Chief, will be part of all the festivities in episode number 500. So really looking forward to that. And uh, so to get to number 500, we have to put a ribbon on episode number 499. We thank everybody for contributing and being part of this and being part of the first 499. And remember, always think about subscribing to Unscripted with Mike and Chris on one of our 18 different social media avenues for you to choose from. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.